Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the KTH 9:10 a.m. interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. I am Dave Palmer, executive director here at the station. Diane Xavier is running our board uh, behind the glass there, and this is going to be a unique and fun interview because uh, I'm delighted. I received uh, an email uh, not too long ago from Jen Linus, who worked uh, in marketing and communications with the Highland School here in Irving, and she said, "How would you?" like to have Father Adam Zettel uh, back in studio. He had been here one time before, and he is a Legionary of Christ priest, and he also is a singer and a songwriter and a musician, and uh, he had been on before performing for us on a live show, and I thought that would be a great idea. And the only thing better than having uh, Father Adam in studio with me is him bringing the president of the board at the Highlands, uh, some guy named Jeff Scheffelbein. I, I, I don't know. That name sounds so familiar. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff hosts uh, one of our wonderful DFW Alive shows with Paul Coker. Every third Friday at 11 o'clock, and uh, he's here as well. So, uh, Father Adam, thanks for being here. Good to see you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, glad you came back. And you're going to be performing a song that is perfect for this season of Lent and also all that we have been through with, you know, gosh, all the, the last year it's been a, uh, it's been madness. Uh, my Life Made One. So we're going to talk about that, and at the, some point during this uh, interview, we're going to go ahead and hear that song in its entirety, right? Sure. Yeah. All right. And uh, Jeff Scheffelbein, the man who spreads himself very thin, every apostolate in North Texas, Catholic <laughs> apostolates, wants a little piece of Jeff Scheffelbein. Do you know so, what, though? I'm surrounded by so many amazing people mm-hmm. that it's actually very easy to be Jeff Scheffelbein, because yeah. I've just decided I was going to know all the most amazing people in North Texas that are doing great work in these apostolates. So I show up and play my little part, but it's just a gift to be able to be involved with all of this and to be here with y'all today. So, thank so you. tell us about the president of a board. Uh, what is your role? How you know what? What do you all do? Who? How many board members do you have? Sure, can, can I tell, tell us the, about the that? funny version first, which is when people... I want the real serious version. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. People say, how'd you get the role? And I say I was the last one to put my thumb to my nose. <laughs> no, it goes. And so I was here. I am. I'm the president. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it's a really special gift. Uh, if you think about the school board of a private school, you get a chance to focus on the health of the school, and that's every facet of the formation of the school and the business operations behind it. And luckily, we have such great faculty, amazing legionary priests at the Highland School, the consecrated women that are involved with Regnum Christi. We have such an amazing school that really what we get to dig in on is financial health, business operation health, fundraising, and of course, facilities and things like that as well. But we have about a 12-person board that includes some of the original founders from way back when and some of the young bloods like myself. And it's just a gift because we're part of a, I would call it like a team of teams. It's not the board separate from the faculty, separate from the priests. We're all in community together and our goals are all aligned around how do we make sure that this school is the absolute best it can be for the families, the kids, and the people that are connected to it. Mm-hmm. You know, Catholic school education, I, you know, pretty much across the board is outstanding. And mm-hmm. but every school has a uniqueness, something that kind of sets it apart. So you and Amanda are sending some of your children, Three, uh, the, the ones that are able to go to school, because <laughs> yes. you got a lot of kids. But uh, why? Why did you choose the Highlands? You know, it was twofold for us. I appreciate this question a lot. One was I was looking at the quality of the graduates coming out of there. Ryan Conklin used to be on the air with me here. He's a graduate. I was looking at the people who serve in that school, who graduate from that school, and just that they remained strong in their faith as adults. And I thought that was such a beautiful testament. The second part for us was just the availability and the access to the sacraments. It's because we do have priests like Father Adam on campus, um, leading our kids, meeting with them, allowing them to have 
masses and um, reconciliation and adoration and things that they don't have to be scheduled. They're happening almost every day. Mm-hmm. And it's just a really special place because that's what our kids are seeing that they're used to. That's the normal for them. Mm-hmm. And so I have uh, a bunch that uh, two pre-K and a, a first grader. And the way this works out, if, uh, if all goes well and my kids can, can cut it, we'll be from pre-K three to 12. So I think I got a long future here at the Highlands. <laughs> and that's actually the number one reason why I got so involved was how can I continue to bring gifts and effort and time to a place that is so important to my family and my kids. That's very nice. Well, thanks for being here. Good to see you. And uh, uh, Father Adam, as I mentioned here as well, uh, uh, Father, tell us about uh, the Legionaries of Christ, the charism, uh, perhaps why you chose uh, in your discernment phase to uh, to enter seminary with the Legionaries. Oh, well, that's going way back there. Yeah. <laughs> You're a young guy. You can, I'm you a young guy. I, I was discerning in 2003, Wow, really? Uh, which congregation to enter? Yeah, yeah is so, that right? Eighteen years? Yeah, yeah, about that. Yeah, and uh, and I visited a few places. Um, I knew the legionaries from when I was younger, when I was a, a preteen and a teenager. And um, when I visited them after high school, while I was in college, I I felt an attraction to the charism, especially of evangelizing. So uh, I encountered priests who were on fire for changing culture, on fire for bringing Christ into society um, who weren't looking for a life that was kind of safe and protected and, and uh, kind of staying in church and, and praying. Um, although we pray too, right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but men who wanted to go out and wanted to engage society and wanted to, to meet people where they're at and to bring people to Christ. Um, and I could see in the way they acted and hear in the way they spoke that uh, they were totally on board with the church as it really is. So supportive of the Pope, um, you know, early two thousands, that wasn't always a given when he visited a seminary. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and just, just fell in love with that, with that zeal and that, uh, that fire. Yeah. I remember going to a retreat where, uh, the priest was, was speaking about the culture of death. Um, I'm from Canada. So this was up there in Canada and, uh, you know, very, very liberal and very, uh, you know, pushing forward the agenda of, of, uh, the culture of death, uh, euthanasia, abortion, all that stuff. And he says, we need men who are going to stand up against this and say, no, mm-hmm. this is not going to happen anymore. And I was like, yeah, yeah. that's what we need. Mm-hmm. Right? So uh, it wasn't even a vocational retreat. And I went up to him afterwards and said, Father, <laughs> is it okay if I like join? <laughs> you know? Yeah, or that's real, neat. Yeah. You know, in religious life, you have contemplative, you have active. And it seems like the, the legionaries of Christ, at least the ones... Uh, that I know have been very active in getting out into doing like what you're doing right now. I mean, you, you've got the, the life of prayer and the sacraments, but then doing things like this. Is that part of it? Is that absolutely? Yeah. Getting yeah. out there and like you say, being, being in the, in the culture, uh-huh. right? Yeah. yeah. And so we were founded in 1941. Um, and from the very beginning, legionaries strove to be involved in things that were kind of, uh, at the forefront of culture, right? So in the media, uh, preparing videos, trying to get online as soon as the internet came out, right? Um, we've always been striving to, to be getting out there where people are going to hear the message. Mm-hmm. And what's yeah. the, uh, connection between you and the other legionary priests and the school? Are you actively teaching, uh, offering right. the sacraments? Uh, what? Tell us about that. Yeah. So, um, we see, we see schools as a place to do what I was describing, a place to evangelize. Right. So, so an opportunity to, to meet people where they're at, right. A school is, is an institution that draws people in for the sake of the education. Right. But we 
are willing to take people in for the, with the desire to bring them to Christ and to evangelize them and to help them to, to be on fire for Christ and to be in love with him, right? And to make them into mm-hmm. apostles, to go out and, and to change the world, right? Yeah. Um, so our, our specific role in the school is not one of teaching. We, um, we work one-on-one with the students. Um, we work with, with evangelizing them through organizing activities that will help them, retreats. Um, I in the high school work a lot with missions. Uh, right now we're organizing a mission trip to Lake Charles, Louisiana for spring break in a week and a half. I've got 26 students signed up. <laughs> oh, that's good. I'm, yeah. just, I'm just glad people are traveling and doing things <laughs> and getting out. You know, that's nice, right? Yeah, and yeah. and they're eager for it because of yeah. uh, because of COVID and because of having been inside a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, but it's still amazing to see a school that has so many, like such a high percentage of our students, willing to go and spend their whole spring break on missions, mm-hmm. right? And and doing work to serve others. And, yeah, I know we yeah. we're going to get to the song. I promise. But all <laughs> these other things are popping into my mind. Regnum Christi. That's kind of the 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 lay arm, I guess, so to speak, yeah. of uh, of the legionaries and uh, lay people, married couples, families. Tell us about mm-hmm. Regnum Christi. Yeah, so Regnum Christi um, came out of a desire that that lay people had to take part in the charism that they found in the legionaries. Right. Oftentimes, it happens that you have. Uh, Someone who's inspired to found a congregation or something, and they start a group of nuns or a group of priests. In our case, it was a group of priests. And uh, the people who are in contact with them say, these men have something that is from the Holy Spirit, and I would like to be involved in that. So um, naturally, lay people just started associating themselves with Legionaries of Christ, mm-hmm. and it, it turned into a movement, right? Yeah. Um, and over the past years, we've kind of taken a new canonical configuration, right? We've formed a, what we call a federation uh, between the priestly branch, the consecrated women, and then the lay members associate themselves to that to that federation, so they can become members and they can share in the same charism, live with the same passion to evangelize, uh, have the same spirituality. So um, I like that federation. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, it's kind of got a funny ring to it. Doesn't yeah, it? you don't have to have like a sports league or something, right? Uh, well, so let's talk about the music. As, have you always sure. been musical? Always yeah. played instruments? Is that uh, uh, well? How did you? Yeah, get I grew into up that? in a very musical family. My parents always played at mass um, since I was very little, as long as I can remember. They had like a children's choir at mass, um, and then as I was getting older, our choir just morphed and and became more mature and uh, probably more talented as well. Yeah. So. Um, when I was little, there, there already had plenty of guitarists in my family, and I started playing the drums. Um, so got, that was my first instrument, got into that. Um, and then in our youth group, learned guitar as well and started uh, singing and playing all the time. I was Throughout high school, I was in several choirs consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I ever had a lot of really formal training, right? But definitely along with my faith and my desire to serve the Lord was a, a great love for music, um, and the two came together very well. Um, when I entered the Legion, I was immediately encouraged to continue playing and using music as part of, as part of ministry. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, as I was describing legionaries trying to use everything that's human and good to evangelize, um, they also want to use music. Yeah. So especially throughout, throughout my theology, I ran into a couple of other brothers in formation who, who were passionate musicians. Um, and they taught me a lot how to, how to hit the streets and, sing and play for people, you know, out in public, um, yeah. uh, and, and writing songs and composing has always been a part of it too. Yeah. Very nice. So from what I understand, this song, my life made one is really 
it's a Lenten song. It's mm-hmm. uh, something that people can help with their Lenten journey, but also kind of ties in the things that we've been going through the last year with some of the struggles and, uh, gosh, COVID. And mm-hmm. uh, it's been, it's been an interesting last uh, 12 months or so, certainly. So, so tell us about the inspiration behind this song. Right. So, um, often, often at Mass, uh, you know, I'm celebrating Mass for the kids there at the school, and I find myself sitting down after communion and thinking about, you know, having studied theology and everything, the Mass means a lot to me. So I, I think about, you know, the offering of Christ on the cross, how his, his body and blood is really present there, how he unites us to himself. Um, and, and I try to preach to the, to the kids about these things and to, and to teach them so that they have a deep understanding of, of mass as well. Um, but I, I wanted to try and capture that. Um, and at the time when I kind of had the musical inspiration for this song, those were the ideas that were going through my head. And I was like, yes, I want a song that expresses uh, some of those ideas so I think the key idea in this song is really uh, the idea of offering. Um, that when we go to Mass, we, you know, especially in the offertory, we bring Christ our, our gifts. We bring him symbolic gifts of bread and wine. But we're also invited to, to offer our whole lives on the pattern with Christ. Mm-hmm. And that becomes united to Christ's offering, which is the offering of the cross. Um, and the two things become united. So that's where the, the title comes from, My Life Made One with Yours, with mm. Christ. Very nice. Um, and it's, and it's, you know, it's about that. It's about taking everything that's going on in my life. And as you're saying, you know, all that's been going on in our lives this year, all of the sufferings we've been through, um, taking those and bringing them and offering them to Christ, uniting them to him on the cross and, and lifting them up with him. Very good. Well, you ready to perform it? Uh, sure. Plus, sing it? Sure, okay, yeah, here we are. Uh, again, Father Adam Zetto, LC. And this is uh, his song, My Life Made One, which he just described. So here it is on the radio. for us. 
with you. Suffered all I've done. Everything I am, I give to you, my offering of love. Save you, love for That's beautiful. Yeah. I don't even feel it's appropriate to clap. It's uh, it's just so meditative. <laughs> it's like ah, that was really good. I I, I was singing along and uh, just said that's it's just a, that's that's a beautiful song. Uh, so you wrote it. You did all. You did the music and wrote the, the lyrics and everything. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Simple little wow. melody there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Beautiful. That's that's uh, I, I, the, the the thought that I was thinking as you were playing that is how we all we all just need. Uh, during these difficult times, something to, you know, whether it be scripture or good music, or do you, do you find that the needs of people during times like this just uh, uh, increase the spiritual needs, especially yes, from uh, yeah, what, what yeah. you can offer to them? And that, that's one way mm-hmm. to, to, to help folks out through the music. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I find, I find um, at least in my ministry, and a lot of that's at the school, that there has been a lot more uh, a noticeable sense of people reaching out for something spiritual in their lives. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And you've put this on YouTube. Uh, I know I watched it right before the, the interview. So I actually liked the, the live radio version uh, even better than what I saw on YouTube. The YouTube's one is good, but I, I, it was, it was awesome. So how can people listen to it? If they, is there an audio version? They can go to YouTube or what, what can they do if they want to hear it? Yeah. So for now it's just on YouTube on okay. the Highland Schools, um, YouTube channel. Okay. Yeah. I haven't got it on any of my personal. I think you need to go on tour because I've listened to the YouTube <laughs> version and I liked it a whole lot. But sitting in here, yeah, I felt it was, transcended. I was, yeah. it was not in this room as I shut my eyes and listened. That was beautiful and it came across perfect. On yeah, the radio, yeah, yeah, it really was. There's something about that that performance. I mean, the YouTube one is great. Uh, uh, I, I guess you know there aren't many people touring or moving around these days. But uh, have you had a chance to to play it at the school or to any kind of live audience? Uh, we are learning it with the choir right now, okay, so that cool. they can play it at mass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're excited about it. Are there other songs uh, available on that YouTube channel as well for the Highlands from you? I, I think that's the first one of mine to be posted on the Highlands. Channel. Yeah, yeah, very good. Mm-hmm. So just go to YouTube and search for the Highlands, the Highlands School. School Irving, and yeah. uh, All right, yeah. very good. Well, Diane's telling me 
Yeah, we're down to a minute or so in the interview, but I just want to remind you, if you just tuned in and you're like, wow, what was that song? I really like that. That's uh, one of our local priests, uh, Father Adam Zettel, uh, Legionary of Christ priest from the Highland School. Also joining me in studio, Jeff Scheffelbein, who's the uh, president of the board of uh, directors, I guess, uh, of, of, the trustees. of yeah. trustees of the Highland School. Let's just uh, kind of wrap things up. And uh, Jeff, anything else you'd like to say about the school? Or, we are uh, so blessed to have legionary priests like uh, Father here. Yeah. So I, I just tell everybody, if you want to see some, some really powerful sacramental uh, priestly presence in the school, come check out the Highland School. Yeah. The website or anything? What is, what is, uh, how can people find out more? Thehighlandschool.org. Thehighlandschool.org. That's good. You I know, just you got, got the nod. That was I can't right. tell you how many times <laughs> I've uh, asked people on the air about their website, and uh, the people are like, I don't know what my website <laughs> is. <laughs> you know, you can always do a search. You can find it. It's that's pretty, pretty simple. And so, yeah. Father, I'll give you the last word. Uh, any other uh, bit of advice or counsel to folks who are struggling, you know, uh, uh, in, in any way, spiritually, phys- you know, physically, mentally, uh, you know, emotionally during this time? Yeah, I think this is definitely a, a tough time for a lot of people. Um, and I think we need to seek out ways to fill our life with uh, the joy of Christ and yeah. the joy of the Holy Spirit. Um, I find that music is a great way to do that. Yeah. Music is a great way to lift up our spirits. Um, and when I find myself uh, entering prayer with an attitude of praise, an attitude of joy, singing, um, it it lifts the spirit, mm-hmm. right? And I think that I think that God works there. Christ yeah. works through that. So, yeah, yeah. Do you remember the uh, the, the the priests from Ireland? Those uh, two, two, I, two I, yes. I think there's three of them. Two of them are brothers. Before, yeah. I, I was over in Ireland one time, and uh, there was a, a priest saying the, the mass that we went to. Just we we found a church, went to mass, and it was one of them. It was mm. one of the priests, and so I was like, oh wow, these are you know world renowned. You know, so may, maybe that'll be your future. You may be traveling around blessing people with your music one day. Who knows? Well, however God wants God, to use God's it. God's will be done, it. right? Yeah. Uh, well, thanks again for coming in. And thanks, uh, Jordan is here, uh, who is in the development office and also the photographer for this. And so thanks to her for, for being here. And Jeff, always good to see you. Thank you, Dave. What a pleasure. We always know we'll see you at least once a month here yes. uh, with your show. Sometimes more than once a month. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody. Go to thehighlandschool.org if you want to find out uh, more about the school or, or the, the Regnum Christi or all the good stuff that's happening over there. And then go to their, their YouTube channel if you'd like to uh, listen and watch uh, this song again by Father Adam Zettel uh, called uh, My Life Made One. And uh, thanks again to Jen, who arranged this interview, in case she's listening. God bless you. If you have any ideas for future interviews of the week, uh, please contact me, as Jen did. My email address is davepalmer at grnonline.com. And also thanks to Diane Xavier for flawlessly running the board for this program today. God bless you. Have a great rest of your weekend. The Office of Deacon Formation for the Diocese of Fort Worth will be hosting online information sessions for men and their wives who are interested in the Deacon Formation Program. The online session will be held the third Sunday of each month at 3 o'clock p.m. The next session will take place on Sunday, April 18th at 3 p.m. and will be held online. Please email Yesenia Gomez at ygomez at fwdioc.org to request registration for the session.
KATH 910AM welcomes Emerson on Harvest Hill as a new sponsor. It's a senior living community in North Dallas near St. Rita Parish. Amenities include chef-prepared meals each day, transportation, social and educational events and activities, 24-hour security, as well as participation in the sacraments. To learn more about Emerson on Harvest Hill or to arrange a tour and visit, you can contact Karen Ray via email at kray at emersonharvesthill.com or you can visit their website, emersononharvesthill.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the KTH 910 AM interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Glad you are with us. And uh, Diane Xavier is running the board today. I'm Dave Palmer, uh, host of this program, executive director of the station here in North Texas. And you know I love books. I've written a book, and I have interviewed countless authors that have written on various topics related to our faith. And I recently was contacted by a friend of mine from my parish, Bernardo Aparicio. He and his wife, Katie, um, have been at St. Mary the Virgin, where I worship, and I've gotten to know them. And he recommended that I do a book by a couple of friends of theirs, a married couple named Kent and Caitlin Lesnoski, who have written a book called 30 Days with Married Saints, a Catholic couple's devotional paperback. It was published this year, February 11th, on the Feast of Our Lady of Lourdes. That, I don't know if that's a coincidence or not. And so we arranged it, and that's what we're doing via phone and just by way of biography so you can know a little bit more about Kent and Kate Lynn Lasnowski. Kent uh, is employed as a theology professor at Wyoming Catholic College, and they have been married about 16 years. They have nine children, ranging from 14 on the upper end to two weeks. And so that must be a, a bouncing, active household. They homeschool their children. They also are involved at mar- uh, in marriage prep, uh, for helping, I presume, couples who are preparing to get married. So Kent and Caitlin, uh, welcome, and thank you for being with me today. Um, yeah, thanks for having us on. Yeah, let me start. Uh, I'll start with you, Kent, and then try to get you equal time here, but... Uh, the, the idea to write a book, uh, you've written one book previously. Caitlin has not written one. How did, what was the genesis of this? Or when did y'all first say, Hey, let's write a book and, and why this topic? Well, actually it came out of a retreat that Kate and I gave over the weekend, uh, a sort of family getaway retreat where we had we were on a ranch in Wyoming and, you know, there's college students from Wyoming Catholic College watching all the kids for the whole weekend while the parents were doing this marriage retreat. And we thought it would be great to do the retreat on married saints. So we put that together. And after the retreat, there were a number of people who approached us saying, you know, you have to do something with this content. It was inspiring, moving, encouraging. And they suggested that we try finding a publisher for it. So you know, by the grace of God and a little bit of hard work, um, we were able to find a publisher with Pauline Books and Media and, and put the book together. Yeah, and Kate, was it an easy sell to them? Did you know anybody inside Pauline or did you have to, you know, how hard was it to get them to, to take the bait and publish the book for you? Yeah, it was uh, it was new to us, um, you know, at least to me. Kent has published a book before, but we actually just sort of put the proposal out there to a bunch of different Catholic um, publishers. And Pauline was the first one that got back to us and was interested. Um, they did help us to change the whole format a lot, which at first was very overwhelming to us, um, but ended up being something much more approachable and 
um, just a better format for devotional. So they were they were great to work with. Yeah. Um, you know, when I saw the title of the book, and I've been a Catholic my whole life, and I've worked in Catholic radio, so I feel like I'm, you know, pretty knowledgeable about the faith. And I started thinking, how many married Catholic saints can I think of? And of course, you know, Mary and Joseph <laughs> jumps to mind. And I'm thinking about uh, like St. Therese's parents, possibly, but there aren't a lot. And so Kent, I, I imagine a research, uh, you know, there are a lot of research trying to figure out just how many married coupled saints there are. Is that Was that one of the early parts of the process of writing this book? Yeah, it was actually. And it um, years before we did this, retreat um, that Kate uh, and I put together was I actually put a presented a paper at a Catholic theological conference on the married saints and the way that they are canonized or not and why they're canonized and if there's any kind of systematic changes throughout history related to the canonization of married people. So I, I put together an academic article actually is the beginning of this whole thing and it turns out there are some good sources out there. One of them is by Ferdinand Holbeck, a book published by Ignatius Press. But it turns out there's about 140 um, married saints and blesseds. And, and that's a bigger number than I think many people imagine. Now, and Caitlin, I'll ask you this. Is 140, and are you focusing on where both the husband and the wife are canonized together, or can it be one and not the other, like, uh, let, let's say, uh, uh, St. Monica, where she's canonized but her husband isn't? Uh, well, how do, well, what qualifies for the book? So we did try to focus on um, couples that were canonized together. Um, it not everyone that um, we feature in the book, that is that the case for. St. Monica is featured just because her story with St. Augustine and praying for her son and, and even for her husband, who eventually did convert, is so inspiring. Um, but we, one of the couples that we came across, um, Blessed Luigi and Maria Quattrochi, they were ones that we had not really heard about before, and they're sort of modern day. You know, they're from the 20th century, and um, they just have a lot of inspiring, inspiring small anecdotes to their life that we came upon, and we were just um, really stunned that we hadn't heard of them before. Um, so this project, by looking for the saints that were a little less lesser known or blessed, and um, by trying to find ones that were married, we came across some real treasures for our faith. Yeah, and Kent, uh, the title, 30 Days with Married Saints, is this to assume that each day there's a different uh, saint or couple that you kind of focus on? Is it more than one per day, or how how is the, the book formatted? Yeah, so it's 30 days, and they're not necessarily a new saint each day, um, but the format is the same every day. So it's uh, a wonderful opening prayer that the couple does together, usually from the great tradition of the church, some of the gems uh, from the tradition of prayer that couples do together. And then there's about a thousand word essay, real pretty quick, just a couple pages uh, on the life of the saint or on the section of the life of a saint. If because sometimes we spend a few days on one married saint or one married couple. And then afterwards, there's a, it's a few what we call spiritual practices. So just kind of questions to get them going with practical steps toward holiness, imitating the, the lives of the couples they're reading about. And then a nice closing prayer. So 
really we imagine a couple could be spending, you know, half an hour, 20 minutes to half an hour doing one of these a day. And um, it's not always once, it's not always one saint per day. Sometimes we spread a saint's uh, married couple's lives out over a few days. Mm, interesting. My guests are Kent and Caitlin Lesnowski. Um, they are authors of a new book that just came out uh, within the last month, 30 Days with Married Saints, a Catholic Couples devotional paperback. And it is published by Pauline Press, I believe. I'm looking at my notes here. I think that's what you said. And we'll certainly give you um, everybody an opportunity of where to go to get it. And, uh, Kate, we, we mentioned Mary and Joseph. Uh, you mentioned Luigi and Maria Beltram Quadrochi, who I had never heard of, <laughs> and St. Monica. Can you give us a couple of other examples, uh, maybe, you know, well-known or not so well-known, that are highlighted in the book? Sure. Um, we talk about uh, St. Isidore and Blessed Maria de la Cabeza, and some people know St. Isidore a little bit more as Isidore the farmer. Yes. Um, but we were able to find, uh, we spent two days on them, we were able to just find a couple of inspiring uh, things about their relationship and about their lifetime that helped to sort of make the picture of St. Isidore the Farmer a little bit bigger and um, bring in his wife, um, which I thought was interesting because I'd always known of St. Isidore as a farmer. I didn't really know that he was married, and I didn't know that his wife was also a blessed. Um, we also talk about some well-known um, saints like Louis and Zaley Martin and uh, Gianna, uh, Mola. Um, we also um, feature um, m- one of my husband's favorites was Blessed Franz Jägerstatter, mm. um, and there was a ro- movie about him recently. Um, so we just sort of feature his whole life because his whole life as uh, before he was married and then as a husband and, um, you know, later in jail. Uh, it's just very inspiring to holding true to the values that you think are important and letting God lead your way instead of, um, you know, lead your way in making your tough decisions in life instead of society. Yeah. Kent, uh, I, it sounds like from what Kate's saying is that, you know, these, these couples, it wasn't always a bed of roses and they weren't walking around with halos in their head. And does that come out in the book where it really stands out that these were regular, ordinary people that just uh, either, you know, always, <laughs> almost always lived lives of holiness or maybe had a big conversion. Uh, is, uh, do you see a little bit of the, the sloppiness in lives, even of saints, as they try to work out <laughs> lives to the, as married couples, just like the rest of us? Yeah, and I think that was one of the emphasis, uh, emphases that Kate and I were really going for uh, in this book, was because... You know, you read about some of these saints, and there's a possibility of being discouraged. Yeah. You know, um, and so and rather than encouraged. And so you see the realness, the messiness of the lives, so that we're not intimidated, but rather moved to imitate uh, the kind of beautiful narratives that these folks have. I mean, you look at, you look at Blessed Franz Jägerstater. Here's a man who lost the faith entirely um, as... Uh, in his early adulthood. And then, you know, he actually ended up conceiving a child and, and raising a child out of wedlock. And then he had this big conversion and he ends up being this, this inspiring um, objector to the Nazi third Reich. And he ends up in jail and he and his wife write these beautiful letters back and forth to each other. So you see that kind of story of conversion in quite a few of the lives of the saints and even the ones that don't have so much a radical conversion, they have problems. I mean, you think about 
Louis and Zaley Martin. And here's a couple whose daughter, Leonie, was so bad she got kicked out of a convent school. I mean, she was <laughs> expelled. You know, so yeah. people, saints have real problems, and it's inspiring to walk with them as they try to handle them. Not not in some kind of angelic way, but in a real human sanctified way. Yeah, you kind of anticipated my next question that I'll, I'll address to Kate as far as you have in a marriage, of course, the relationship between the husband and the wife, but you also have that relationship with children. And Kate, does that come out? Uh, Kent just gave the example of uh, St. Therese's parents with uh, Leonie. Uh, the the way, perhaps some, some tips and help that parents are going to have, not only in their relationship with each other, but with their kids as well by looking at these saints? Oh, definitely. Um, we tried to gear this to um, to any married couple, so we tried not to make it too specifically to couples in exactly our spot in life with a lot of young kids at home. But there are definitely um, practical applications that we can see from the saints' lives of how to relate to your children at any point in their lives. I mean, we feature Saint Monica and her, um, you know, her relationship with Saint Augustine and his conversion and the great spiritual moments they were able to have together once he did convert um, after her years and years of praying. Uh, we talk about Saints Basil, um, the elder, and Amelia, who uh, their whole family basically became saints. Um, and, you know, just we try to ask, you know, couples reading this book, what is it that has made these families able to grow in sanctity in this way? Um, and even through hardships they face. You know, um, as Kent was mentioning, Leonie, um, Louie and Zaley's daughter, you know, she's on the way to sainthood herself after such a difficult childhood. Um, and even Therese was a difficult child for her parents at times. And in the letters that we uh, saw from uh, Saints Louie and Zaley, we could see that. Uh, Zaley wrote letters to her sister. And in those, those letters, you know, she talks about just the difficulties she's having with her children and the beautiful the beautiful moment she has with her children. And it's just very comforting as a mother and as a father to see that this is normal in the lives of the saints. It's not like they were perf- their kids were perfect because they knew exactly how to raise them mm-hmm. and <laughs> everything in their lives was perfect. No, everything was messy, just like it is in all of our lives. Yeah, that's for sure. Kent, any American saints? Yeah, in this book, we don't, we don't actually feature any American saints. And, and as I'm thinking of about it, uh, I can't. I can't think of any married American saints. Yeah, I'm thinking uh, uh, off the top of my head. And yeah, so someone's going to call you or email you and say, "Oh, oh, he was drunk," <laughs> but I, I don't. I can't think of any. Well, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton would come to mind as uh, somebody who well, had children and a husband. I don't know anything much about her husband, but uh, he, she's the only one that I yeah. can think of. But hey, that would be for volume well, I mean, two, right? Yeah, I yeah, guess well, we are, with we are thinking of another 30 days. Okay, okay. And uh, which uh, I guess uh, you guys are great at leading me into my next question, which is perfect. Uh, now, is this the, is the idea, you know, in a perfect time where, you know, you, these are consecutive days where in literally in a month these couples will be finished or you think it's too much to take in so fast, maybe once a week or or how, what do you what do you recommend, Kate? I think that um the design was to leave it up to the couples. You know, I feel like some couples uh, will have a personality together that they'll say, let's just commit to doing this every day for the next month and really focus on our marriage in that way. And other couples will say, well, 
we just want to do this once a week and get it done in about a year, you know, missing a week here or there, yeah. and focus on it longer. And I think that doing it either way would be just wonderful, you know. I think that the idea is just to get couples to spend the time together in prayer and in conversation um, and to be inspired together to holiness. Yeah, and Ken, what kind of feedback have you had? I know from writing my book, it's kind of it's it's a little nerve wracking when you you give the book or somebody buys it, and you're kind of waiting for them to get back to you as to as far as what they thought. Have you heard from couples as far as you know how how it's helping them, or what kind of feedback are you receiving? Well, it's it's so new. We haven't had it um, haven't had an overwhelming amount of feedback yet, but that which I've been getting has uh, been positive and folks are telling me that they've been wanting a book like this and hoping for a book like this. And this one really fits the bill uh, for something that's approachable for, for a couple to do. And, and um, yeah, also that it sort of, what it accomplishes is that, that uh, encouragement uh, and that making it seem possible yeah. Right. That, yeah, I can do this. If I, ju- if I just work at it a little bit at a time, um, I can do this too. I can actually take these steps. So that's what, that's what folks have been saying. And you see, I mentioned in the bio that you all work in marriage prep. This seems like a really good idea for diocese to give to couples that are preparing for marriage. Uh, I don't know if that's on your radar, but uh, I think that'd be a good idea, don't you? <laughs> Yes, we definitely think that. And we think even, you know, couples newly married, I, one thing that we often remark on is that we have marriage prep, but we don't often follow up on those couples in the first couple years of marriage, which a lot of times couples need some help and some guidance then. Yeah. Um, and so hopefully this book, some of those couples may find that, uh, find this book during those times, and it will help to, you know, create the conversations and help to start their marriage on the right path or continue their marriage on the right path. Yes. And did, did you say that there's a second edition or you guys are planning the next 30 uh, devotional days or, or tell us about that. Is another book in the works? Um, well, we've been considering different ideas with the 30 days. If we want to do um, parents of saints or of young saints, so a book that um, parents could read with their children um, or, you know, we're just, it's a it's a nice format that yeah. is easy to work with, and so we're definitely open to how the Holy Spirit might lead us to um, create some more of these. Yeah, very good. Uh, blessed Carl, the the last emperor of Austria Hungary. Have you ever heard of him? Uh, he apparently was a real amazing family man. I'm not sure about his wife, but uh, there's another one to, to put in the suggestion box. Okay, for your next. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, thanks to both of you. I think it's a it's a really great idea, and as I'm I'm thinking, gosh, this should be you know worldwide marriage encounters should be putting this in their packets, and uh, there's a lot that could be done with this book. Uh, and I encourage everybody who is uh, listening right now to check out 30 Days with Married Saints, a Catholic Couples devotional paperback by Kent and Caitlin Lasnowski. And uh, Kent, what's the best way? I'm sure there's the all you know the online forums, but uh, what would you recommend as far as people getting it? Well, right now the best the best would probably be just to go to the Pauline Books and Media and buy it right from their website and. Uh, that would be the most direct route. You could search for it there on their website and just put it in your cart. And and uh, that keeps it with the Catholic company. It keeps it small business, well, smaller business than Amazon, of course. And um, 
So that's what I would suggest. Yeah, very good. And that, uh, did you say, could you give that website again? Where should they go? Um, so Pauline Books and Media. Okay, Pauline and Books I'm, and Media. If you just, yeah, if you just put in Pauline Books and Media into your, into your search, you know, you, you would probably get the website on your first click. Yeah, it very is, good. Uh, sorry, I'll just put it in there. It's www.pauline.org. All right, easy enough. Uh, Pauline.org, and I'm sure some of the Catholic bookstores are carrying it as well, and we always, uh, here on the station, encourage you to support them before you go to that big company, like Kent said, that begins with an A. <laughs> Let that be your last <laughs> resort, but go to Pauline.org, uh, I think you said. All right, uh, thanks again, Kent and Caitlin. Really appreciate uh, your time. God bless you and your big family, and uh, congratulations on publishing a book. I know it's uh, from personal experience. It's quite a, uh, it's, it's a lot of work, and uh, there's a lot that goes into it. 30 Days with Married Saints, a Catholic Couples devotional paperback. And again, I want to thank uh, Bernardo Aparicio for the suggestion of this interview, because I think this is something that uh, it's, it's, it's good for people to know that this book is out there. Thanks to both of you. Well, thank you very right. much. And, uh, thank, thank you and God bless. Yeah, thank you. And, uh, thanks, Diane, for running the board and producing the program. Thanks to, uh, again, Bernardo. And if you, dear listener, have an idea for a future interview of the week, please contact me directly. I love suggestions. Dave Palmer at grnonline.com is my email. Have a great rest of your weekend and may God bless you. Thanks for joining us for this week's KATH 910 AM Interview of the Week. We hope you've enjoyed this presentation of Catholic news and information pertinent to North Texas Catholics. Please join us again next week at the same time for another KATH 910 AM Interview of the Week. KATH 910 AM welcomes Five Diamond Service as a new sponsor. It's owned by Oscar Castaneda from St. Monica Catholic Church in Dallas. They're a family-owned and operated business. Oscar invites you to contact Five Diamond Service to see how they can help you with any residential, commercial, construction, and post-construction cleaning services. You can visit their website, FiveDiamondService.com, or reach them via phone at 214-317-1055. Mary Immaculate Catholic School in Farmers Branch is now enrolling for the 2021-2022 school year. Under the leadership of the Nashville Dominican Sisters, the dedicated faculty at Mary Immaculate helps students to develop their gifts of nature and grace so as to reach their God-given potential. To learn more about how your child can be immersed in the truth, beauty, and goodness of a Catholic education at Mary Immaculate, visit mischool.org. God bless you. My name is Martha Eberline. My husband Kyle and I are parishioners at Good Shepherd Catholic Community in Colleyville. At Mid-Cities Dental, we provide dental health services to our patients by helping them understand the relationship between healthy teeth and their gums and their overall health. We are proud sponsors of the outstanding programming you hear each day on KATH 910 AM. You can learn more by visiting midcitiesdental.com or by calling us at 817-282-9321. Have a blessed day. Been searching for a new perspective on the Stations of the Cross. On Thursday, March 25th at 6.45 p.m. and Friday, March 26th at 9.45 a.m., St. Jude and Allen will be holding Mary's Stations of the Cross, a unique look at the stations through the eyes of the first to walk them, Mary. This amazing event will deepen your understanding of the stations and how they affected our Blessed Mother. For more information, head on over to stjudeparish.com slash lent-resources.
Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth, and North Texas. Catholic radio for your soul on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone. 